Well, what about that? Amen. Amen. All right. So wonderful to praise the Lord and to uh, give Him honor and glory today. So thankful that you're here this morning to uh, do the same. And so I want to welcome you guys here this morning. How about our Tennessee Baptist Children's Home video? Did you guys... Uh, uh, moving, wasn't it? Uh, I remember when our children were young, uh, many, many years ago. I'm glad they're not here so they won't take offense to that. But uh, uh, many years ago, Jackie and I, w- we uh, signed up to be um, weekend parents. And so once a month, we'd uh, pick up a little girl from the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home, keep her all weekend to give the house parents a rest. And then on holidays and week through the summer, we'd be able to get her. Her name was Bobby. Precious little girl and uh, so needful. Her mom one day brought her to the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home and just put her off there and left her. And her big struggle in life was the fact that she kept, her mother kept her little brother and not her. And she wondered so often, you know, why, why I me, mean, what did I do? You know, why did she choose him and not choose me? And so these kids have a difficult time. And they have deep struggles, and we have the ability to help them. And so we need to do that. You know, these kids are in family crisis, and what causes that is the collapse of our families today and the fact that families aren't seeing their biblical um, way of, of coming together, that God's plan for the family. And so this morning, I want to share with you a message about family clarity. Because we live in a day and a time where the world needs to know how the family works best. And it works best based on God's plan. The church has to voice clarity in a world of confusion. You know, the Bible says, and Paul encourages us as believers to speak the truth in love. And when we speak about family issues from a biblical perspective, often the world doesn't understand that. We're in conflict with the world. But but yet we can't uh, be quiet because it's so important. The lives of children, like this little girl we saw this morning, are at stake. If we don't have this biblical mandate and understanding about how the family works. And as a church, if we don't continue to speak truth into the world today... Uh, then where else are those messages going to come from? There's so much confusion today about sexuality and gender identity. It seems like a new alphabet every day gets added to gender identity description. Uh, God put it simply in His design. He says male and female, He created them. I like the simple answer that God gives to His divine creation is that He created them and He created them to be male and female. I'm good enough with that. hope you guys are here as well. But yet we live in a world today that struggles with that. You see, when man begins to put his ideas into things, it always gets complicated, it always gets distorted, and it always gets farther away from what the truth really is. And so as a church, we have to speak that truth in the world today. Uh, All this confusion affects the most important institution that we have today in our world, and that's our families, our homes. And so that's what's at stake, and that's why we need to be focused on that and example that in church today. You know, home is, God designed it as important. I realize we live in a broken world, and I realize that there are many families that probably wouldn't fit a biblical model, but listen, that's uh, not uh, 
uh, a cause for us to turn away from pursuing that, is it? Or teaching that in the church today, what a family looks like. God's designs are templates for joy and for fulfillment. No matter what you see in life today, or no matter what you see uh, in, in the world today, that God's plan always leads to joy, fulfillment. Uh, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You see, that abundant life is joy and fulfillment. And that, that abundant life comes through the plan, the design that God has for all things. And when we pursue that design, when we pursue God, then all of a sudden we're really looking for uh, the deepest way that we can be fulfilled and find meaning and purpose in life today. And certainly that's true of the family today. Uh, home doesn't stand a chance uh, unless it's uh, based on the Lordship of Jesus Christ and, and those believers in that home are filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, it's God-honoring and Spirit-filled homes that find the deepest sense of joy and commitment. Uh, and so we need to strive for that. We need to affirm that in the church today. I want to share with you a passage of Scripture this morning in Ephesians chapter 5. I really believe that gives a, a deep, great definition of what the family ought to look like and what the different roles are in the family. And I want to read through chapter 6, verse 3. Uh, and in those areas, we see uh, uh, the major roles in the family. We see a husband's role, a wife's role, and children's role in the family. And, and how we ought to relate to all those. Listen to what the Scripture says. Uh, <laughs> beginning at verse 22. Uh, he says, Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husband in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Bow with me if you would. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so grateful and thankful to you today that in your incredible wisdom that you've given us a design for the family, for home. Father, help us to understand that uh, as we seek you, that uh, we uh, seek uh, your ways and uh, your designs. Lord, I realize that uh, uh, so many times, Father, because of uh, our, uh, our neglect for you that we walk away from this design. Lord, I pray that you'll encourage us to consider 
uh, what it means and what you say in these passages of Scripture today. Father, help us to be a witness of you and of your church through the way that we live at home and in our families. And Father, I pray that you'll open our hearts to this word. And uh, Father, give us understanding. Lord, teach us the things that we need to know. Lord, convict us in places that we need conviction. And Father, encourage us with the things that we need to be encouraged about. Father, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as you begin to uh, follow along the passage, and I, I just want to uh, encourage you that, or maybe you took notice already, uh, that, uh, that Paul wrote much more to the man than he did to the woman, okay? Uh, and maybe it's because guys seem to be a little, little bit more dense than ladies are, and we need a little more information, and, and those kind of things. I speak as a man from, from personal knowledge, and uh, so we're going to see these things uh, unfold. Uh, the instruction that he gives to the wives is one to submit. When we think about submission, we need to understand what biblical submission is. uh, Because often we get a wrong definition or a false definition of that. And so he says to the wives, he says, submit to your own husbands. As to the Lord. And the instruction is is that uh, through God's design and through His purpose that He's ordered the family in such a way that it works this way. And I want to give you some reasons why. uh, As wives submit and husbands sacrifice and children surrender. Uh, we, we need to understand those. If we're all working in God's design, then we're going to find out that we're going to have the best experience in family and in our, our culture and our community that we can have. And so first of all, he begins in verses 22 through 24, and he talks to the wife, and he says, wives, submit. Now listen, let me just uh, begin to walk through this with you. First of all, I want you to see with me the manner of submission. Uh, it's God's design that God calls us to submission uh, our, our wives to submission in accordance with His design. That God has a reason for what He does. Uh, our God doesn't do anything at random. Uh, but He does because in the deep counsels of His mind and His heart, He's purposed things to happen. And He's designed the best way that it can happen. And in, when it comes to family, uh, the way that He's designed for husband or wives to relate to their family is, is through submission. Now, what does that mean, or, or what's that design look like? The word submission that Paul uses here in the Greek language is a word, hupotasso. And hupotasso means it's a compound word. And tasso means, it's the idea, to, to, it means to arrange. You ever worked a jigsaw puzzle at home? Uh, you know, you dump it out of the box, and you flip it over, and, and if you just spread the pieces out, it doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't have any real, it doesn't communicate anything to you. But if you could begin to put those pieces in order and you fit them together the way they're supposed to go together, that if you do that long enough, you're going to get to the end of the last piece and you're going to find out that that, that puzzle has great design. That it's probably a beautiful picture of some scene that, that's kind of breathtaking. And, and how did it get that way? It got that way through design. That's the way a marriage ought to be. That's the way a family, uh, God has determined for it to be, is that when it's arranged uh, in order, that it, it has a great design and great value. Now, the other part of that word means under. So God has arranged underneath. In other words, He's given a wife... The, the uh, admonition to submit and to place themselves voluntarily under the authority uh, of their husband. Now, <laughs> I know you ladies are saying, what? What, what are you talking about? Uh, 
Well, the idea of submission is to is really just to line up with God's design. Uh, if you look back in verse 21, it says submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. It's talking about all Christians. Uh, all Christians are to be submissive in some way or another. And, and what he's saying is that we all should line up uh, uh, under the authority of God in a way that he's designed so that we can accomplish his purposes and his goals. And as we're serving God in that way, we're going to find ourselves being blessed by it. Uh, greatly enriched and, 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 and greatly touched by, by following the Lord Jesus Christ in His design. And so he's calling wives to submit uh, to, uh, to their husbands, arranging our lives according to God's design. God creates things and God designs things to function rightly. And when we follow that design, then all of a sudden things uh, work their, their very best. And so... Uh, the manner is, is that here's the design. God says, uh, husband uh, is uh, submissive to God uh, and wife is submissive to husband and children are submissive to parents. And that's the, the order that God lays out in Scripture for the family. Uh, when we follow that, it really works great. Uh, look at the motive that Paul talks about for submission. That's God's desire. that He, he's, uh, he, wants, uh, he gives us a motive to do that. Uh, if you look at verse 23, <coughs> he says this about motive. He says, For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and is the Savior of the body. So what he's saying here, our motivation ought to be uh, to want to put ourselves or submit ourselves into the design of God it, because it honors the Lord Jesus Christ. When, when a wife is submissive to her husband, she's honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, look, ladies, I, you know, I'll, I promise you, you may not have the, most, uh, the best husband that's conducive to be submissive to, but you're not really submit, submitting to him in the sense that you're placing yourself uh, in the design of God and you're honoring him. You're submitting to God ultimately. Right? You guys catch that? Okay. Amen. All right. So good. So uh, that's uh, his desire. So we honor him. So if, if I'm a, a Christian young lady who's about to be married, I'm going to be looking for a guy that I'm going to feel comfortable with submitting to because that's God's design. And, and that's going to be His purpose for you in that marriage relationship. And you're going to want to honor Him. And so, listen, start out with someone that you feel relatively comfortable with that you could say, you know what, I could, I could do that with Him. Uh, and then you'll be on the track to making the right choice. Not only does it honor Christ, but it testifies to his salvation. Paul says in verse, uh, verse 23 that uh, Christ is, is head of the church, right? And he is savior of the body. So when we fit our lives or submit to God's design in marriage, all of a sudden we're given a, test, a testimony of the fact that, that he's savior. That he, he's Lord, and so I want to affirm that. That's why Paul would say at the end of this chapter, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So what Paul is saying, here's a mystery, that your marriage is a lot like Jesus Christ in the church. As a matter of fact, it's almost exactly like that. It has design. It has an order. And as we follow that design and that order, we're honoring Jesus Christ in our relationship and we're also testifying of His great love and salvation for us. Right? Because why? He's the Savior of the body, the church. 
Uh, and as we affirm that in our marriage relationships, then we're testifying to the fact that He is Savior uh, of our lives. And so there's a motive for submission, right? You want to love Jesus and you want to communicate that love to Him, then submit to Him. Follow His design. And then finally, how about the measure? How far do we go with this thing of submission, right? <laughs> do, uh, is it just in small doses or small measures? Well, the Bible says this, verse 24. It says, uh, therefore... Just as the church is subject to Christ. So let the wives be subject to their own husbands in. There it is, isn't it? Everything. 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 What areas does that cover? I don't know. Everything. (laughs) In God's design. And his purpose that wives are to submit their husbands and everything. Not holding back anything. But that submission to Christ under the authority of their husband. Hardest message I preach, I want to tell you, ladies. It is hard for me to preach this message to you. And let me tell you why. Because it reminds me of how incredibly responsible, the re- incredible responsibility that Jackie has, my wife, to God, and how needful it is for me to help her fulfill that responsibility to Him. It's difficult. But it's necessary in God's design. Submission doesn't mean that a wife has no input on decisions or direction of the family. doesn't mean that she can't give an opinion or information or share desires or dreams. Pray. Support the family. It doesn't mean any of those things. But together, husband and wives come together in unity. And listen, the husband should be moved by his love for his wife closer to her need and she should move closer to him based on the understanding that she's submissive to him and somewhere there together they find a solution for their family. The greatest danger to marriage isn't finances. I know everybody says, oh, it's all about finances, finances, low marriage is up. Uh, It's not about trust even though trust is incredibly important in a marriage. But here's the greatest danger in a marriage. It's the wife will take the husband's role and the husband will step aside from it in the marriage. In Genesis 3, verse 16, God's passing down judgment on, first of all, Satan, by the way. He deserves that judgment. The Garden of Eden, he tempted Adam and Eve. So he's passing down judgment on the, on the serpent. He talks about how he'll crawl around on his belly all the time. It's pretty bad, isn't it? And uh, that, then later on, that Eve's descendant will, will crush his head. You know, it's a prophecy of Jesus Christ. But in verse 16, he comes to Eve. And here's what he says to Eve. Hold on, ladies, I want to get to the husbands. But here's what he says to Eve. 
He says to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your, uh, and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. You see that word desire isn't a physical longing, yearning desire. But what God was warning Eve about in all women and all men is that, that, that there would be this inward desire because of sin for, for the wife to want to do what the husband does and the husband to allow that to happen. How often do we see that in our world today? How well does it fit in marriage? How stable does that make a marriage when we move away from God's design? And so in God's design for marriage, He says to the wife, He says, submit to your husband. Now what does He say to the husband? Right? So we're going to get... <laughs> he says to the husband, sacrifice. Sacrifice. Uh, he talks about that sacrifice that the husband ought to make. You know, in, in biblical sacrifice, it, it usually circles around and comes out as, a, as servanthood. You notice that? That, that Jesus, when he, he sacrificed, uh, He served us. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to be a servant. And so the sacrifice that He made took form, takes form as a servant. Paul said that He made Himself of no reputation, and He came in the form of a bond servant. That he emptied himself of his manifest glory and he began to serve people. And that's the sacrifice that he made. The greatest act of service that Jesus Christ has done is that he laid down his life on the cross. So that through that act of service, that you and I can experience redemption. Paul says that, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is, which is that reasonable response. So now, all of a sudden, husbands, the challenge for, for, for you and I are to, is the sacrifice. Um, he says in verse, how do we do that? What does that really look like? Verse 25, he says that uh, he is to love his wife. Uh, one way that we sacrifice or that we serve our wives is that we love her. Uh, that, that we love her. Um, <laughs> he says in verse 25, uh, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her. Now listen, love isn't exclusive to the husband toward the wife, but it ought to be reciprocal from, a wife, from the wife to the husband. I, I've had people come up and say to me, Brother Mike, you know, a wife doesn't have to love her husband. You just got to submit. Right, Bible doesn't say she had, well, you, you know, Paul, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said to Timothy, teach the older women, uh, or have the older women teach the young women how to love their husbands. You, you know, it's a reciprocal thing. Uh, and, and so uh, he says to the husband, love. That love ought to be exclusive kind of love. Uh, he said in verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. That's exclusive, isn't it? Christ has an exclusive kind of love for the church. Uh, so as husbands, our wives ought to take an exclusive place. There ought to be none 
that equal our affections for her. She shouldn't ever feel in competition with another woman in our lives when it comes to our affection, our our love for her. Uh, we, we, We ought to affirm her and let her know that there's no one else but you. No one else but you alone. That's why the Bible talks about the two becoming one. There's a, there's a, a oneness in that relationship that, I, that, that we as guys ought to communicate to our wives that says, listen, there's no one like you. There's no one that's in competition for my love for you. It's just you and you alone. And so that's the way Jesus Christ loved the church. And that's the way we're to love our wives with this exclusive this ex- exclusivity of, of our love for her. Not, not only that, but listen, he goes on and talks about this kind of love. And he talks about the extensiveness of this love. He says, what did he do uh, in that love? Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Gave himself for her. That's the extent that Jesus Christ went to to love the church is that he was willing to lay down his life for the church. And so, husbands, if we're going to love our wives, uh, if we're going to sacrifice for her, we ought to be willing and ready to lay down our lives. Now, we can look at that in so many different ways. Physical way, we ought to be ready to protect our wives, lay down our life for them. We ought to be willing to emotionally honor them. And, and, and treat them as, as precious uh, as they are to us uh, and wonderful. You know, the word husband in the Bible is, is a word that really means farmer. And, and in that sense, of an idea that we ought to be willing to cultivate uh, whatever it takes for uh, our wives to feel loved and, and feel special and precious. So we love them. He is to love her. Let me give you another thing that he's to do also. Uh, he is to... Not only love her, but he's to lead her. Uh, he's to, to lead her uh, in life. Uh, look at verse 26 and 27. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, now, what's Paul using? He's using Christ as the example with the church. Uh, and, and so Paul is stating Christ's work in the church as a pattern for a husband's work in his home. So, so what should we be doing? We ought to be, we ought to be leading our families. Uh, Christ is leading the church to a deeper relationship with Him. We ought to be leading our families to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, We ought to be leading our families just as Jesus is leading the church into growth and spiritual maturity. If you're a husband, you're the head of your house, you're responsible to lead your home into a deeper, more personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's your assignment as a husband. And we need to take up that assignment. We need to take it seriously today. Uh, And we ought to be knowing that we're going to be accountable and responsible to God someday for what kind of leader we were spiritually in our home. That's one thing we can't advocate. If we do that, then we're going to give our home up to, to, to Satan, to the demands and, and to the drive of this culture and this world that we live in today. If we choose not to lead our families, then somebody is going to lead that family. And the real question is not only who is it going to be, but where are they going to lead it to? <coughs> 
And so, man, I want to say to you today, you're a leader. Say, I don't feel like a leader. Doesn't matter, you're a leader. Uh, And you need to lead your home. Let me give you a third thing. Not only should he's to love her and he's to lead her, but let me also say to you that he's to labor for her. He's to work on on her behalf. Uh, Verse 28 says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Um, For no one ever hated his own body, but what does he do? But nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So there, you know, labor for it. Nourish and cherish uh, our wives, our children, our relationship with each other. Uh, The idea is that we should be working to build each other up. Uh, Husbands building up our our wives, uh, helping them to to become what God wants them to become. You know, uh, what do we say about the wives, right? Guys, the wives are to be submissive. What are we to, to be as husbands? Sacrificial servants in a way that's working so that it can be easier for our wives to do what they're supposed to do, right? <laughs> let, me, let me ask you guys a question, or let me have you ask yourself a question. What could I do that would make it easier for my wife to be submissive to me? How can I help her be what God wants her to be? One of the things is understanding. Peter says that the husbands should live with their wives with understanding. In other words, if we don't understand who she is and what she's about and what she needs and uh, those things about her, then we're never going to be able to be uh, in, in, or put ourselves in a place where we can facilitate that growth and, and her, her moving toward God in that relationship. Right? You know what understanding takes? Time. Time. It takes time for us to listen. It takes time for us to, to understand. And sometimes it takes time and time again. Okay. And time again. And again. I'm going to stop there. Um, but yet, if that's what she needs, then as husbands, that's what we have to give. Because we're laboring for her. Right? We should love her. We should lead her and we should labor for her as husbands. And in doing so, we become sacrificial and we're servants to her. Now, let me give you the last thing. I don't want to spend so much time on the kids because they're wonderful, right? I mean, how many of us as parents has a bad kid? Right? I mean, they're wonderful. All I can see when my eyes look, when I look through my eyes, my kids is perfection, right? Just kidding. What does it say about the children? If you're here today, you may be at home, living with your parents. Hopefully you're still under the age of 18. (laughs) You may be living with your parents. So what do you do? What's my responsibility in this marital thing? Well, your responsibility, one thing, is if, if you're a young lady, to prepare yourself to be a wife. Right? God calls you to that relationship. If He does, He may not, but if He does, then you need to be prepared for that. 
If you're a young man, you need to be preparing yourself to receive this gift of a wife that God's going to give you someday in, in such a way that, that you're going to be excited when that happens. And, and so you're looking forward to that. But one of the things you have to realize that when you're at home, you're, you're under the authority of your parents. And so you, you need to surrender to that authority. You know, we respond to authority in a lot of different ways. One, one, one of the ways that we respond to authority is we want to fight against it. But in reality, in God's design, if it's authority from God through the family, we want to surrender to it. Now, what does it say about the children? He says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. So what's he talking about here? How do we re- it's responding to parents. Guys, how do we respond to, to our parents? We, we respond by obedience. Some of you look at me and say, are you kidding me? Well... Listen, that's how we learn how to respond to God as young people, as children. It's how we respond to parents. And so what does Paul say? He says the response it should be is, is one of obedience, obeying our parents. Now, as children, young people, we don't like to do that. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's not so difficult when we're younger, but the older we get... The more resistant we get to that because we're feeling more independent. We're feeling like we're uh, growing in our understanding and we're probably smarter than our parents anyhow. And so what do we want to do? We want to do our own thing. We want to obey. And so many, many times when you get to those certain years being a teenager, you want to rebel against your parents. I tell you, I, I used to do that. I used to rebel against my parents. But I can look back now and see how foolish that was. And you're saying, I don't care. You're just saying that now because you are where you are. You may be in those teenage years and you can't see that. But it's important that you obey your parents. And that's how you respond to them, right? Because there's order to things. Uh, another thing that kids should do responding to their parents is, is that they find a way of relating to their parents. How do they do that? He says in verse 2, honor your father and your mother. You see, we respect our parents. Uh, we, uh, we're growing up in a generation, or I'm getting older in the generation now. I, I don't want to be so critical because, my listen, the, the adults in my generation when I was a teenager saw the same things happening in, 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 in my generation as a teenager. Where's the honor? Right? Where's the... Where's the, where's the respect that we need for, for those who are in authority over us today? Our parents. You see, God has placed you in a home where the, your, your mom and dad are given the responsibility to be in authority over you. And, and let me tell you, as a parent that loves their children, your parents are probably like we were, trying as hard as we could to do the best we could with what we knew. And we did that because we loved our kids. Uh, your parents are doing the same thing for you. Hey, they may not be perfect, right? But I want to assure you, I believe that every parent in this church house this morning is doing the very best they can to raise their kids in a way where their kids will know to honor them and honor the Lord as well. And so as we surrender to those things, and all of a sudden, there's a promise attached with this. You realize that out of all the, out of the Ten Commandments, that, that there's only one commandment that's given that has a promise to it. And, and, and the Bible says if we honor our father and mother, uh, that it will be well with you, 
and you will live long on the earth. In other words, there's something about honoring your parents that, that, that God sees benefit in that helps you out in your life. If you'll do that, then you'll be a recipient of this promise that God gives to us. You see, honoring our parents doesn't stop when we get out on our own or when we get our own household or when we get married or when we go to college or whatever it is. Honoring our parents is a lifelong thing as long as our parents are alive. We're to honor our our parents or to take care of them if that's the need. Or we're to continue that respectful relationship with them throughout our life no matter what age we are. And so as we do that, God blesses that kind of relationship that we have with our parents. You may be here today and there's maybe some area of bitterness or anger or unforgiveness or unresolved issues that you might have with your parents. You're an adult. I want to encourage you to deal with that. Make that right so that God can respond to your life in blessing. We live in a world today that doesn't see the true design of marriage, family, what all that means. And so man in their own imagination has gone off and tried to redefine marriage, roles in marriage relationships, and tried to redefine so many things that, that, that God plainly describes. And we look out in our world today and we see what's going on. We look at the news and the newspapers and all the things and we wonder, why in the world is, are things the way they are? <laughs> well, it's all about design. It's all about clarity. And God gives us that clarity about family in the Bible, in His Word. The world would say, oh, listen, that kind of family relationship is archaic. It's sexist. It's unsympathetic. It's uncaring. I want to say to you that what God says in the Bible about marriage is the most sympathetic thing that anyone could ever say about a family and a family relationship. It's more loving and it's more responsive than anything in any other way. Family clarity. Where do we find that? We find that in the Word of God. Bow with me and let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm so thankful to you today that in, God, in all the confusion that happens around us every day,